Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, so they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to The Cool. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blind spot, and on my way go. We invading airwaves. Welcome back to all my cool cats and cool kittens. You're now tuning into the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Yes, people. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we are live right now, and it's about time that you get to listen to this, because we got a lot on today's agenda, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before I let you know on all that good stuff, let me tell you something real quick. Um, cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies, indeed. Now, with that being said, I have a few things to let off my chest, all right? And you guys already know how I do with this portion of the show. So without further ado, I think it's time to uh, let that just breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Couple of things I need to mention right now. Um, first of all, shout outs to Straight Outta Compton. Amazing movie, amazing. If you haven't seen it and you're a hip hop head, what are you doing with your life right now? You need to check that out. Shout out to my boys, Jay Cream and Drew Breezy. We saw that in Oakville. The theater was packed, it was turned up. I loved every second of it. Um, make sure you see it. If you've already seen it, see it again. Even if you're not a big hip hop fan, you just like biopics, see that. Uh, I will be talking later about that uh, movie in depth, uh, but let's move on. Uh, Shout-outs to Rogers TV, you know, my alma mater. Uh, I got to promote them real quick. You already know how we do. Uh, But I was invited to be a guest panelist on a show called Trending in Sports. So shout-outs to Ali Monroe. Shout-outs to Christine. Shout-outs to Sam. You guys are amazing. Uh, We definitely got to do it again. And shout-out to my producer, Ryan Dunn. We go back since 2010. You already know me. Uh, But... I loved it. Every second of it, being back at Rogers TV was dope indeed. Uh, they got me all dappered up for, for my appearance. So um, I had to uh, show face, you know, just for old time's sake. <laughs> but with that being said, with all that being said, all the pleasantries out of the way, um, I was having a conversation with uh, a bunch of my friends over Facebook. And we've had this conversation so many times, and we had it today. The topic of the conversation was, within the hip-hop context, of course, what makes a classic rap album? All right. Now, this is the old age question that has been asked for years since the inception of the hip hop culture. Now, everyone's going to have their opinions. Everyone's going to have their answers on what they think makes a classic. All right. And they may differ. They may um, compare. But to me, what makes a classic is something that either hasn't been done before and it was done at a high level or something that has been done before, but it was innovated. So it was done, but it was taken to the next level. Something that changes the landscape of hip-hop, something that changes the genre for years to come, or something at the very least that makes an impact on the genre. Now, there may be some people who 
say that we haven't seen a classic from any artist in a long time. Some may say that we've seen a couple classics within the last couple of years. It differs. It varies. Um, I remember, you know, when I got to the age of 13, 14, when I started studying about hip hop, getting myself more immersed with the culture, uh, the source was basically the Bible of hip hop created by David Mays, of course, for all my hip hop heads out there. They would essentially hand out what were called five mic ratings. And that right there let you know what was classic and what wasn't. It went from a scale of one to five, of course, five being the five mic classic. And there are a lot of classics. The first one to ever get that five mic rating was Illmatic from Nas. And then from there on, it started just continuing on. Now, some people may argue that we haven't seen the classic within the, in the last 10 years or so. Uh, a friend of mine who was within that chat said how the last classic, in his opinion, was um, the blueprint from Jay-Z. And he also went on to say that listeners of this generation, I guess the 2010s or what, whatever the case may be, are quick to hand out classics, classics, and what have you. Now, I have heard people say that certain albums are classics, but I don't agree with them. For example, someone said how Born Sinner from J. Cole, J. Cole's second album, was a classic. I didn't necessarily agree with that, just because I don't feel, even though it was a very good album, I don't feel it pushed the genre any further. It just added to the notion that there are talented rappers in this genre um, of rap, but at the same time, it didn't really push the boundaries of what rap can be, in my opinion. No disrespect to J. Cole, it is a great album nonetheless. Um, however, if we're going to talk about a classic album or something or a, an album that should be within the running of classic, I definitely think that title should go to Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid Mass City. It's been about two years, two and a half years, almost three years actually, because it came out in October of 2012. It's, we're almost at the 30 year anniversary of that. Um, I definitely think it's a classic. A lot of people were, were giving it rave reviews when it came out, whether it was within uh, hip hop or outside of hip hop. A lot of people gave it a very high approval. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, that it was very similar to Illmatic. Uh, a lot of people were saying that we should give this classic title right now. Some people were saying, no, let's wait. Let's give it time. I was one of the people who said, let's give it time and see how it goes. I gave it about, I gave it about a year and I want to see what the replay value of it would be. And as far as I'm concerned, that album has a lot of replay value. So do I personally think it's a classic? Yes, I do. And I don't think it should be taboo or it should be sin to give an album that title, you know, either as soon as it comes out or six months after it comes out, depending on the, the, the impact that that album made. Like there's no, it was no, sorry, it was no coincidence why so many publications gave it such a very high rating when it first came out. So, yes, classics do take time, but there are, there are very few exceptions um, to, that, to that title, so to speak. And many could argue that that album, for example, could be within the exception. Illmatic was definitely in the exception. I would say Reasonable Doubt from Jay-Z was definitely in the exception. Dr. Dre's A Chronic was definitely within the exception because... What he did with that album had not been done before in terms of production, all right? And we'll get to that a little, little later on in the show. But that's just my two cents about classic albums. I could go for days about this, but what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know what your opinion is. Coming up on the show, I'm going to be holding it down solo dolo for the remaining hour. But nonetheless, we have a lot of strong talking points to get to. On the next block, I will be discussing Straight Outta Compton. The rave reviews are received, but also the criticism it received as well. Uh, tune in for that. 
But in the meantime, from content to saga, we got to play some tunes from some local artists. You already know how we do with the Canadian content on this show. This one comes from my man, uh, Ridgeway Zone, Rich Kid, with Psych. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Yes, yes, yo, welcome back. You're now tuned to CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, shout out to my man one more time to a Rich Kid for that track called Psych. That was off of his 2013 album, in my opinion. So make sure you go check that out if you haven't done so. Saga City representing to the fullest. You already know. Now, it's time to talk about Straight out of Compton, all right? So, <clears throat> pardon me. As many of you know already, this film came out last Friday, and wherever you went, the theaters were packed. Like, me and two of my boys, we saw this in the Oakville, Mississauga border area of Winston Churchill, okay? Winston Park Drive, to be exact. And the theater was packed. We got there early, thank goodness. Um, and I always happen to notice that when you're watching a, a movie on opening night, and the theater is like packed, like elbow to elbow. The atmosphere just heightens up the level of the movie that much more because everyone's all enjoying it all at the same time, basically. And I think that's what happened. That's what manifested within that theater. And I'm sure the same thing happened in other theaters as well during the big night or the big weekend for that matter. Speaking of big weekends, these guys had a big weekend. You know, director F. Gary Gray, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, everyone who was on board uh, and had their hands on this piece. Uh, masterpiece, should I say? This movie took home sixty point two million dollars, uh, the biggest box office uh, take home of that weekend. It was just insane, and rightfully deserving because this movie, from top to bottom, in my estimation, was completely accurate as to how the formation of the group took place and the events around them. Uh, sorry, the events around them that helped them shape this group. All right. Now the three main. Uh, protagonists of this movie were Dre, were Cube, and also Easy E. They basically told the story about how these guys came to be and how they joined as one union. All right. Now with Easy, it starts off right off the bat. You know, no spoilers, mind you, no spoilers. It starts off right the bat detailing his history as a drug dealer because the first scene of the movie is him uh, transporting some uh, narcotics uh, to. A drug house and basically him wanting money for it, essentially. And the rest just kind of goes from there. Um, Ice Cube, his beginning in the movie starts off with him in the school bus writing some rhymes, um, basically foreshadowing the events to come within the movie about him being the lyricist of the group, him being uh, the pen master, so to speak. And then Dre, of course, uh, his beginning started off with him in his room, just zoning out and listening to some of the most classic, iconic soul and funk records that you can think of. Basically panning out the rest of the movie of him being the producer, being him having uh, the sound for the group, essentially. And then later on in the movie, you get you get introduced uh, to DJ Yella and also MC Ren, and then also their manager, Jerry Heller. Basically, whatever you heard about NWA, whatever you read about them, took place in this film. On top of that, the events that shaped their sound and shaped their stories for them to be for them to tell it to you also took place in this movie. The drug trade during the 80s, a.k.a. Reaganomics. Also, you had police brutality uh, that was being exhibited and the abuse uh, of power by uh, law enforcement in Compton. You also had uh, gang banking and gang activity that was also exhibited in this movie as well. 
they hit on so many of these points and it gave the audience a clear idea as to what was the inspiration behind their message as a whole. And what I loved about these things were the fact that these events aren't even dated because of the fact that most of these events still happen to this day. Gang violence still happens to this day. Um, also, uh, drug trade and the war on drugs is still happening to this day. And unfortunately, police brutality still happens to this day. I mean, how many cases have we uh, come across within the last at least 10 years? Trayvon Martin, like the list goes on and they detail it in this movie and it almost in a sense, I don't know if they did this on purpose. Maybe they did, but it brings everything back full circle and it just lets us know that we haven't come that far as far as these tragedies and these atrocities atrocities are concerned. And basically, they're... Uh, these incidences were used as fuel for their music. So I love the fact that they touched on that. And uh, besides from the drama, they also touched on some of the, uh, the comedic aspects of this movie, like easy sense of humor, for example, or um, basically five young boys, you know, whether they're teenagers or like, you know, young adults who just got out of adolescence, you know, flirting around with all the groupies that they're, that they're coming across and what have you. And then, you know, midpoint through the movie, uh, that's when you kind of dive into some of the things and the evils that basically tore down their groups. So such as money and finances, for example, greed, you know, power. These are all the, the, the evils that basically tore at the roots of what was the foundation of NWA. Uh, it, it was detailed about how Q, uh, Q wanted to leave the group because of the fact that he felt like Easy was the one getting the majority of of the money in the group, whereas everyone else was just getting undercut. And luckily for him, and for people who may not know, he didn't even sign a contract. He was waiting for a contract to be delivered, but little did he know that everyone else got their contracts and signed them. Cube was the only one who didn't sign the contract, which is why he was able to leave and do his own thing. And then you go into a bit of his own solo career with how he linked up with Public Enemy in New York and basically recorded his own solo albums. Uh, they get into his diss track to NW, which is No Vaseline. And basically, it wasn't like these guys were lip syncing all of the records that they had done. All of these actors basically rhymed every single word of these songs that were performed way back when. So they had to study them. They had to get the mannerisms down. And on top of that, let's talk about the mannerisms. O'Shea Jackson Jr. played Ice Cube, his father. And his trademark snarl that Ice Cube does, he had it down pat. It was amazing. Um, you had Easy es mannerisms being taken into play. And what I loved about that was the fact that even though you had every single surviving member of NWA coaching these young actors how to portray them on film, Easy or sorry, Jason Mitchell, the character or the actor who played Easy E, didn't have that benefit. So I think he had to dig a little bit deeper than everyone else, in my opinion, and try to encapsulate the essence that was Easy E. And I think he did a tremendous job at that. And I think Easy would have been proud uh, of the work that he did, nonetheless. <clears throat> so, do I think this is a good movie? Yes. Do I think it's a great movie? Hell yes. Um, was it better than Notorious? Yes, it was. Miles beyond. Notorious, and I will say this: um, the best use of "By Felicia" 
was used in this movie. I'm not even going to expand on that. Watch the movie and you will know what I am talking about indeed. I recommend everyone to go see this movie. It was amazing. I loved every single second of it. Now, despite the rave reviews that it got from not just people within the hip-hop industry, but people outside of it on mainstream publications, mind you, they did receive an 80% rating from Rotten Tomato, which is like the Russian judge of movie critiques. Somehow, someway, a lot of negative flack, not a lot, but nonetheless, a fair amount of negative flack was being presented towards the movie. Now, the only criticism that I had of the movie is that they didn't dive deeper into the stories of of DJ Yella and also MC Ren, but understand, understandably so because they were... They weren't as popular or as vocal as the other three members of the group. And also, when it comes to a biopic or a documentary or anything of the sort, the hero, the heroes are the ones who tell the story, so to speak. So that was my only personal complaint. But at that point, I'm just nitpicking. But nonetheless, I liked it. But again, going back to the complaints that a few people had about this movie was the fact that the incident that involved Dr. Dre and Dee Barnes in the domestic abuse situation was left out of the film. Now, here's my take on this, and I don't want to come across as insensitive or 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 have a lack of empathy or anything towards that. While I do understand that that case was a very serious case and that domestic abuse should never happen, you know, in any setting, whether it's a man towards a woman or a woman towards a man, that piece of history did not do anything to impact NWA. It did not shape impact in any way, shape, or form. So for them to leave it out of the movie is understandable. Now, a lot of people say, will say, oh, well, Dre left that out of the movie because he didn't want to tarnish his image and he didn't want people to think of him as a bad guy. And at the end of the day, we don't need to have a movie to detail every single part of everyone's life. You can only get so much within a two-hour and 20-minute movie. So if you want the entire dialogue, the entire story, there are multiple sources for that. We are now in the age of social media, so we can go to Twitter for that. We can go to Facebook for that. We can go to Wikipedia for that if we have to. Hell, we should even just dig up the crates and go to Ask Jeeves about that because I'm sure 